Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Monday, June 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We catch up on some Kansas, Missouri, and Kansas State news today. Beat writer Gary Bedore brings us up to date on recruiting, including a couple of Kansas City area players from the class of 2022 that have the Jayhawks and Tigers on their lists. Those players, Mark Mitchell of Bishop Beige and Aiden Shaw of Blue Valley, might not be playing at those high schools next year, Gary said. We know Mitchell is transferring to Sunshine Academy outside of Wichita. Shaw is also considering a move to a prep school. We talk about why. Jesse Newell talks about the new additions to the Kansas football roster from Buffalo. No, not head coach Lance Leipold were the assistant coaches, but six players, including a couple of offensive line transfers who figure to step right into starting roles. After a break, Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State, joins us to talk about football recruiting, and we even get into last night's USA victory over Mexico in men's soccer and how that relates to a Kansas State story. Let's get started talking college sports with Jesse Newell and Gary Bedoy. So in another chapter in the ever-changing world of the Kansas basketball roster, um, we have um, some news today, but it's just a walk-on, right? Still, Gary, um, you know, I, I think when the final Kansas basketball roster is in, uh, it's, you know, what are we going to have, 10, 10 different guys from, from previous year? 11? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I think we're now up to 10 because they lost uh, Sidney Curry. The Juco forward is going to go somewhere else. Uh, but this is uh, Charlie McCarthy, the son of Kent McCarthy, where uh, he's the KU alumni who built the the dorm they live in. Uh-huh. So he he averaged 11 points a game, but it he won't he won't he won't play or be a factor. It's just with all these newcomers, good luck being a walk-on because if Bill ever has any available minutes at the end of a game, he's got to put in a scholarship player. He's got so many. <laughs> well, that's right. But, uh, yeah, he's a walk-on guard that got added today – that will get added today, I guess, officially. Hey, I really want to talk to you guys mostly about uh, Mark Mitchell. Uh, the the Miage star who has announced that he is transferring to Sunrise Christian Academy down in uh, outside of Wichita. So he's going from from the Kansas City area to the Wichita area. Look at Miage; he would have um, you know, led the Stags to a state championship last year, and probably would again this year. What's what's the big advantage of going to Sunrise Christian Academy, Gary? Well, they play a real tough schedule. They play Oak Hill, Monteverde. Uh, they play all those type schools, prolific prep. But last year, Sunrise got second in the national tournament. Uh, it's basically the national high school championships because most people assume the schools would beat a regular high school. So they get together, and uh, <clears throat> Sunrise took second in Monteverde of Florida and now they're reloading their roster and Mark Mitchell has joined up with Grady Dick, a KU commitment as their two best players so far for next year. But I'm sure they're still working on their roster, but 
I, I guess to go to a school like that, it's because of the basketball orientation of it and the schedule you play. Yeah. And I bring it up because, look, not, not only is he a local kid, right, but he's got an unofficial, according to your story, Gary, he's got an unofficial recruiting visit to Kansas on June 16th and was tentatively planning on visiting Missouri on June 12th, also has trips planned to UCLA, Oklahoma State, and Duke, and also considering K-State, Kentucky, Arkansas, Texas, USC, Wake Forest, and others. But but I also wanted to get into the you know, Sunrise Christian. Of course, we've known about Sunrise Christian for, for years. Yeah. It's where Buddy Heald went to school. And, um, and Jesse, they have, uh, they're, they're forming a, a conference with uh, Montverde and, and others, Oak Hill Academy, which I'm familiar with um, in Virginia and, and several, I think it's a total of six right now with the potential to climb to eight. It's called the National Interscholastic Basketball Conference that's going to be a super conference for, for high schools. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this. These are schools from, you know, all different parts of the country. There's one in Utah. Um, uh, what, 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 when you heard about this, Jesse, what'd you make of it? Yeah. I mean, you're right, Blair. It's, it's sort of the the college version of high schools, you know, it's, uh, and, and you mentioned all these schools that are at the top. Um, these are the schools that a lot of these top universities are drawing from. I mean, you talk about Oak Hill, how many times have you heard, Oak Hill player goes to Duke. Oak Hill player goes to Kansas. Oak Hill player goes to North Carolina. So, yeah, it is really kind of like a preparatory school to uh, make sure that you uh, can get yourself to, uh, you know, the next level and perform there. And even some of the guys that are bench warmers on these end up usually pre- recruited pretty well and end up in pretty good places. So, yeah, it's sort of fascinating to to see that and, and kind of how this is all developing over time. But um, it's... You know, it's it, it's like anything else with youth sports. Um, the the younger leagues are becoming more formalized, and they're becoming more competitive, and they're becoming bigger events. And you're seeing that all the way up. I think uh, with youth sports, even starting with some of the younger leagues as well, that are now pay for play and travel, all those sorts of things. So um, I, I'm not surprised that it's moving that way. But um, good for Sunrise to have kind of a local team in that area, and and for kids that are around this area to at least have sort of a local place that they can go. Going to make it easier for coaches to recruit, I would think. I mean, they they uh, um, they, they know you know they're going to see the top prospects in the country playing against each other on on a pretty frequent basis, uh, funded by marketing companies. So the, the the travel, of course, these schools are going to have to go to different places to play. As I said, I across several time zones, and um, and ESPN is going to be involved as well. It looks like so. It is a, um, it is a, the, the, I think the first of its kind, really, when you think about it, um, a super conference for, for high school basketball. Um, so we'll, we'll keep, it starts this year and it came out of the pandemic. I, I, I heard an interview with the, the, the Sunrise coach saying, you know, they were looking for quality competition while everybody was canceling games um, this past fall. And so these schools talked to each other and played some of their games against each other. And they're just, and they decided, look, as long as we're doing this, Let's not let's formalize it and start a league, and th- that's what they have done. So, hey, in a, a, a speaking of top prospects in uh, this area, Gary uh, Aiden Shaw of Blue Valley High, he also has KU and MU on, on a list. Uh, what's what's the latest on him? Yeah, he's got a visit to Missouri, June twenty twenty one, Kansas, June seventeen eighteen. He wants to decide early. Uh, 
so this could be a summertime announcement for Aiden Shaw. He uh, he has nothing official, but I I do believe he's also going to be moving on to a uh, prep school. I would assume it'll be Sunrise, but I have no idea. Maybe he picked one of the other ones, but uh, it looks like Aiden Shaw is going to go leave Blue Valley and and do this trend of uh, prep school for the same reasons as Mitchell. Um, but uh, Aiden Shaw's sister is a freshman-to-be and I don't think it's going to be at Blue Valley. She's going to end up one of the top female women's players in the country recruiting-wise. She's really good. So uh, Aiden Shaw's family is really a strong basketball family, and uh, he's really a nice kid. Hey, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk um after Mike Shashevsky made the announcement, uh, or since Mike Shashevsky's made the announcement, and uh, Gary, I'd certainly enjoyed your your review of games that uh, Shashevsky's Duke team played against KU over the years, and and the fact that he um, that he, he squared off against Larry Brown, Roy Williams, and Bill Self, and yeah. uh, um, and had some great games against against all of them, and a lot of them in the NCAA tournament. I think if you look at the list of the games that Duke and Kansas played against each other. I think it was 13 and only two of them were on, you know, were at Allen Fieldhouse and Cameron Indoor Stadium. The rest were, you know, NCAA tournament or, or Maui or wherever. And, um, and the, the the most recent one, Jesse is, is maybe the most memorable one that they, they played. Now I I shouldn't say that because they, they met in the final four as well, but that regional final in, in Omaha, Mm -hmm in 2018. Am I right about, no, they played since then, I guess there was a champions uh, classic game, but at least the, the last NCAA tournament meeting for them was, was incredible. And it was always a, you know, look, anytime Kansas wins an NCAA tournament game and gets to a final four out of a regional final, it's a big thing, but beating Duke and Omaha that, um, that afternoon, that, that, that was, that, that was off the hook atmosphere, wasn't it? Yeah, that game had it all. And I kind of think back to pre-pandemic, that was, you're right, the atmosphere for that game at Omaha. You combine that with just, you know, Sue Mikhailu gets a three to send to overtime. Grayson Allen, who's the big hero for Duke, villain for obviously everybody else out there that's following college basketball. He misses the shot at the buzzer that would have ended the game. Um, You had heroics, you had coaching back and forth. You know, Duke was going zone, Kansas was running plays against that that were successful. That was obviously one of Silvio's best games as well when he stepped in uh, in there and got some rebounds, got 10 rebounds in that game. So yeah, that was one. You mentioned uh, there was a Champions Classic after that where KU had, I think it was 28 or 29 turnovers in a loss, a really sloppy game. Uh, but it was funny. Yeah, Gary called me up when the Coach K thing happened just to talk about, hey, you know, what are the most memorable ones that immediately come to mind? And that was the one, first one I said was 2018. And then I thought, well, what about that one in Maui where Tyler Thornton, who couldn't make a three the rest of his career, made two in a row and beat Kansas? And uh, Maui's always an electric atmosphere. I mean, it is one of the greatest places to watch a college basketball game. Uh, people just go nuts there. But I definitely remember that one. Uh, and then, you know, Champions Classic a couple times. Andrew Wiggins went crazy in like, pretty close to his debut at Kansas, you know, and on the big stage. So that was one. And then Frank Mason hit that shot from... Uh, the elbow that was, you know, with uh, everybody at Madison Square Garden, all the celebrities there. So you're right. I mean, for KU and Duke to not have like a home and home series against each other, they had a lot of great matchups. And 
Uh, another one that even came to mind was back in 2000, a, a, one of Kansas's worst teams of the last three decades or so. They took Duke down to the wire in an NCAA tournament game when Duke was the number one seed in Kansas was either an eight or a nine. So, yeah, those two teams, really, when they matched up, it was usually uh, prime time and, and must-see viewing. And uh, like I just talked about, a lot of those games are very memorable, even though those teams did not really schedule each other in home and homes very much uh, or at all. Uh, but Coach K had a lot of uh, a lot of different things happen against Kansas over the years and a lot of games that people will remember. Boy, Gary, and I remember the, the 2003 Sweet 16 game um, with uh, Nick Collison went nuts in that game. I think it, it went for 33 and 19 and, um, and gosh, I don't do you, you probably covered that one. Did you also cover the 88 final four uh, at Kemper? Yeah. So, and uh, they played twice in either 86 or 88, uh, no, 88 at right. Uh, Duke beat KU in Allen, I believe. Yeah, they did. A close game, but but they did win. Yeah, and KU had a big lead early, and uh, I don't remember exactly right now, but it, it had to be just electric, and then Duke, I guess, came back and won. So, And then the only other game in a campus arena, Duke clobbered a Roy team on a snowy day when – uh, the media out here, a, l- a lot of people were traveling the day of the game, flying out there like we did then, and I didn't make it. So, uh, made it to Atlanta. Uh, the connecting flight did not go snow because of snow. But Duke clobbered KU. Coach K uh, didn't like, I believe, to go to uh, Blue Bloods on the road, and he had no interest in scheduling a series. So maybe John Shire will, and they'll start to play each other. Like Jesse said, they, I mean, two great arenas. They probably should be playing. Hey, Gary, real quick, uh, speaking of not making games, was that the gold uniform game? No. That well, was, well, listen, the readers have to know, or the listeners have to know the gold uniform game. So I think Blair think was there, right? I wasn't there, but I, I, I've seen the gold uniform. It was at Western Carolina. Yeah. Uh, for I think Kansas was opening their new arena. I mean, why in the world would Kansas play at Western Carolina? I think KU was dedicating they were, they were de- Western was dedicating their new basketball facility, and in Kansas, for the only time, wore the gold uniform. The justification was gold is part of the color scheme because of the beak of the Jayhawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, that game was in Cullowee, yep. Carolina, and uh. I don't know what media made it out there. The Lawrence paper didn't even try. We didn't even try to go out. And I do believe Kansas City went. Uh, And I don't know who that would be, but it had to be an interesting story to being, you know, Kansas playing in Cullowee, North Carolina. In in gold uniforms. Yeah, in gold uniforms that Larry brings out. Because I don't. Not all games were on TV back then, and I don't think KU fans – that game might have been on, but I doubt it. Oh, I doubt it seriously. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd like to – maybe uh, just uh, one of those uniforms should, like, be on display somewhere, maybe the Booth Hall of Fame or something. And uh, I don't know if it is, but yeah. it's I've is seen there, one. Dean Buckley used to have one, and, and he, she, he pulled it out of his drawer to show it to me. It was really fun to see. 
I said maybe a Booth Hall of Shame. I don't know if uh, <laughs> Western Carolina pulling out gold uniforms once and they've never come back. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that they're going to prominently display those. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk a little football because again, since uh, the last time we talked, uh, Kansas has made several several roster additions, and they've all managed to come from the same school, um, including uh, a couple of. Uh, Potential, maybe more than a couple potential starters, Jesse. Um, you know, Kansas not only got the head football coach from Buffalo, but they're getting most of their offensive line, it looks like. Yeah, and the big one is Mike Nowitzki. He was uh, a center for Buffalo last year. He, um, you know, according to reports out there and what he told people, I mean, and rightfully so, had interest from Texas, Michigan, Notre Dame when he went in the transfer portal. Uh, Pro Football Focus ranked him as the fourth best center in the nation last year. And not only that, he knows and understands the system that KU is going to run under uh, offensive coordinator Andy Konelnicki and then also uh, under the uh, offensive line coach Scott Fuchs. So uh, that's a huge get for Kansas. And not only that, um, I'll, I'll be as nice as I can here. You know, Kansas is coming off of a year where they basically had maybe the worst offensive line in Power 5 history. You know, they allowed more sacks per game than any other program I can find in the record books. Like, it goes back to 2007, but nobody there has had more sacks allowed than what Kansas had last year. So this can be a nice building piece. The good thing about these transfers, too, is with the immediate eligibility is a lot of them have two, three, four years of eligibility left. So it's a little bit different from, like, a JUCO kid um, sometimes, you know, where you bring them in and you think, okay, there's not much there uh, to have eligibility-wise. Or a graduate transfer, which KU has used in the past, where it really it's a, you're taking a scholarship from a guy that can only use it for one year. But um, that's a big one. And then, you know, yeah, they, they have uh, a couple other guys that potentially could, could go right away. I know um, Eddie Wilson is a guy that was a defensive tackle. He should slot in right away. KU's lost a couple uh, of defensive linemen here to the transfer portal lately. And then Trevor Wilson's another one as well, uh, a speedster. You know, he had about 16 catches for 320 yards for Buffalo last year. But you got to also realize those numbers might not sound great, but Buffalo only played seven games because of the pandemic. So, um, you know, you, you flush those out to a full season, and that was his redshirt freshman season. Um, yeah, you could see some really good things coming from, not to mention that Buffalo was a team that ran the heck out of the ball last year. They led the nation in rush yards per carry, so they're not going to throw it a ton. So, yeah, K, you've got some pieces there. Uh, as you mentioned, Blair, six of them, along with a seventh, uh, a guy who was actually was going to graduate transfer or was going to transfer from Virginia Tech to Buffalo and then chose to go from Buffalo to Kansas. So that is the main way that KU is reflushing its roster, at least at this moment. It'll probably cost them down the line a little bit in the 2022 scholarships. These will be counted kind of in advance, but it's also tough when you get on campus in April and May when you're first hired to go out there and try to recruit kids with only a couple months relationship. So uh, there's positives and negatives with this thing for Kansas, but the most important thing is that Coach Leipold knows these players, knows what they're capable of, and these guys can help build the program that he wants to build. Yeah, I don't, I don't begrudge him anything like this. I mean, this, uh, you know, th- this isn't the quick fix that you know, rating junior colleges for, you know, for a dozen transfers to, to get it up and going quickly. It's supplementing what you have and, and certainly identify, you know, getting, getting guys at a position of need. So look, that's, that's good news for, for Kansas and they really do need to be competitive uh, on the line. So, all right, Hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will catch up with Kellis Robinette and Kansas state. This is where we bid farewell to Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell. Thanks guys. Hey, it's Blair. 
We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Dallas Robinette is here. He covers Kansas State for the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star. So nobody knows more about the Wildcats than Kellis, but he is also a soccer fan. And um, Kellis, I, I didn't get to see only the highlights of the U.S. men's national team uh thrilling three to two victory over mexico uh for a cup last night in denver but it was quite a match everything i've read about it and saw from the highlights i mean beautiful goals beautiful play uh fans unrest uh bottles thrown at players on on the on this, I, I, look, we do a soccer podcast later in the week with uh, with Sean Goodwin and Ali Trost, but uh, this happened yesterday, and I know you're you're a fan, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about it with you first. But on a scale of um, I don't know entertainment value, one to ten entertainment value, where'd this one rank for you? I mean, it, it was pretty high. Um, the only thing, you know, keeping it from being you know off the charts like nine or ten would just be that it was for the the Concacaf Nations League, not for a Gold Cup, not for a World Cup. You know, I mean, it's nice. It's always nice to win, physically win a trophy. Um, but I, I honestly didn't even know what the Nations League was when this thing started. I had to text my brother and say, what is this we're playing for now? Um, but it's always fun for the USA to beat Mexico. I mean, they, they've had the USMNT's number for a while now. Um, so, I mean, hey, shoot, anytime you can beat them, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good day. One of the one of the best um, environments I've ever been in was, uh, shoot, I don't know how long it's been, maybe five years ago now, I went down to a friendly between U.S. and Mexico. It was in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. And that was like, you know, no stakes, nothing at all, just two teams playing for, for fun. And uh, that was one of the better, still, even with no stakes, it was one of the better environments I've ever been in in, in all sports. So to see it with the cup involved and, and uh, to have a bunch of goals scored to win three to two, and with Christian Pulisic, Captain America, winning it there at the end, uh, you gotta love. Yeah, look, it's um, it, it, was, it was finally like a, a a good result for the national team, which hasn't had good results in recent no. years, right? I mean, didn't qualify for the Olympics this year, didn't qualify for the World Cup, the previous World Cup. They just they needed a they needed a trophy, and and they got one, and it was. Um, again, like I said, uh, had to, had to block a penalty kick in the final, you know, in the 124th minute to, to secure the victory. So, uh, great, great drama. Of course, something, you know, like I said, the fan, the fans were unruly. The fan behavior was pretty poor. Part of that was the game having to be stopped, um, for a few minutes because of, uh, uh, an insensitive chant by fans and anti-gay slur and, the reason I bring that up is because it segues into a uh, little bit of Kansas State news that you wrote about this weekend. 
uh, Kelly Stewart, who has made uh, quite a, a living for herself as a, uh, you know, as an odds maker in Las Vegas, and who is a Manhattan resident and Kansas State student, and really a, a, a good person. I mean, you've interviewed her, I've, I've talked to her, and just a, a very likable person, signed a, um, uh, signed a deal with ESPN. She was going to work for ESPN, uh, I guess, starting the football season, but that contract was pulled because of some tweets of hers from a decade or so ago that were homophobic in nature. And look, I'm not. I don't think this is an apples to apples comparison with uh, with what happened in the soccer game last night. But it is, you know, um, uh, you know, it, it did cost her a, a great opportunity. And um, I, I guess the first thing I feel is bad for Kelly that she's not going to get this chance. Uh, but look, it's um, it's the world we live in, isn't it? In social media, and a lot of people have paid a price for some. Uh, for some tweets that they or post on social media that they regret at an earlier point in their lives. That's the case with Kelly now. Yeah. You know, one of, one of the smartest, wisest things somebody ever told me was uh, right when I was first getting into Twitter was uh, that uh, every time you hit send on, on Twitter, whether it's a reply or anything else, just uh, imagine it's like you're sending out a press release to the world because that's pretty much what it is. Um, and uh, you know, it's uh it, it it is wild that certain things can come back to haunt you for a long time. And in, in this situation, you know, um, the, the word she used in, in her tweets was obviously, uh, you know, not good. Had she posted in last week, I can certainly understand why ESPN would uh, be totally within their rights to say, um, you know, we don't want to move forward with this. Sorry. Um, but uh, the thing that kind of makes it, uh, you know, so interesting is that these, these tweets were from nine years ago. Um, obviously a, a, a different time, a different place. And she, she claimed she was responding to, um, you know, attacks that were coming at her. I'm um, just because she's a, a female, you know, journalist, female sports betting analyst. And you, you and I don't know how that feels, um, necessarily. Right. I mean, we get some hate tweets from time to time, but it's probably not as bad as, um, our, our female brethren get out there. So, so I under, totally understand sometimes you get frustrated, you get mad, you respond with words that, uh, you come to regret. Um, and, and I don't really know what the, you know, the perfect answer here is. She said that um, she's been suspended for these things in the past. And at, at that level, I certainly get that she, she's done her time. She's learned from it. If, uh, you know, if, if she's displayed no, no, uh, no manner of, of doing this at, at any time since then, then I don't understand exactly why that you would go ahead and punish, punish her again for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the age we live in. There's certain, certain things you can't tweet anymore. And I guess ESPN has just gone ahead and decided they don't want to do it, but it is interesting. She does still have a lot of supporters out there. I've seen there have been other companies come out and say, you know what, we, we, uh, we're okay with it. And if, if you're willing, we'd be, we'd be willing to offer you a job in the, the same field. So it seems like, you know, um, what, regardless of how you feel on this, she'll probably end up with a, with a job in the field at some place. I agree. And I, I hope that's the case. I, I really do uh, for, for Kelly. Uh, but you're right on a couple of points. I remember talking to my kids about social media uh, when they were teenagers about it. And uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it's, you can, you can erase it, but never completely goes away. I mean, it's uh, there are screenshots live forever and can't, or can live forever for sure. And, um, and it, it, look, and she was, uh, in, I guess in, in her mind, 
battling back in a very male-dominated uh, world, right? I mean, she's in a male-dominated mm-hmm. world, and the criticisms were basically because she was female in a male-dominated world, and she was fighting back uh, against that. So, anyway, uh, I, I hope I hope it all turns out well for for Kelly. Uh, Kelly, I wanted to bring up something else. I read in your your Q and A, which, by the way, is terrific. And uh, Kansas State fans, if you're not subscribing to the Eagle or the Star to get Kellis's weekly Q&A, uh, it's, it's, it's worth it. I, I certainly learn something every time I, I, I read it. And what I learned uh, this past week, Kellis, we'll, we'll have a link to it in the show notes, but um, you identified a couple of in-state, state of Kansas football prospects, because you were asked about that specifically, who would, uh, um, if Kansas State could, uh, you know, could, could, could uh, identify a couple of people and, uh, and, add to the roster from the state, uh, who would they be? And you introduced me to a couple of them. So I'm going to have you identify them and tell me what their recruiting status is right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a fun question. If you could, if Chris Kleiman can just call dibs and say, um, this guy's going to Kansas state, he can't talk to anybody else. Um, it, it would be a great time to do that because there's a lot of talent in the sunflower state right now. Um, a lot of high end talent that isn't always there. And uh, there's there's a guy in 2022 and a guy in 2023 that I know Kansas State would do their coaching staff would do backflips if they committed to the Wildcats. And the guy for 2022 would be Jaron Kanak from Hayes. Um, he's possibly a linebacker, running back, something like that at the next level. He's just an athlete right now. Got a lot of uh, versatility. But he's he's his recruitment has blown up. Unlike really anything I've seen from a Kansas player, he's got offers from Clemson, Alabama, Michigan. I mean, you name the school, they they've offered him pretty much. Um, and it, it's it's interesting with him because up until a few months ago, it looked like that wasn't going to be the case. Um, there were people suggesting he needed to go ahead and, and try to commit to like K State or Nebraska, who were the the top choices on his list at the time. He kind of held out and showed off some crazy speed at uh, some track meets. Actually, he posted uh, like a a uh, hundred meter time down near almost ten seconds at uh, the track meet here lately. That's what really made him take off. But but yeah, I, it doesn't look like any of the in-state guys are going to have a chance with him because he's more enamored with Clemson and Alabama. And who can blame him? Um, but if 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 there's a you know an in-state player that Kansas State could have in this cycle, that would definitely be it. A guy that they actually have a little bit better of a chance on in 2023 is Avery Johnson, the quarterback in Mays, who uh, I, I've gotten to know a little bit. I've talked to him. I've talked to his dad. I've talked to Brian Butler, who trains him down there in Wichita. And they, they all say great things about him. He's a, he's a really knowledgeable kid, 4.0 GPA, throws a good ball, can run a little bit too. And I, I don't know if his recruitment will blow up quite to the point of, of Canucks, but he just got offered by Florida State over the weekend. And that adds on to, I believe, Kansas State, KU, Arkansas. I'm probably leaving out somebody else. But he's got a pretty good list there, too. So if they could snag him and especially get the top in-state quarterback that uh, that we've seen here since. Now, I don't know who the who the last great quarterback was to come out of Kansas. You can maybe say Blake Bell. He, he, he did some good things to Oklahoma. There are a couple guys off at some other places right now. But this guy looks like he could be in that, in that mold. So if Kansas State could get him. Um, you know, I don't know if he would eventually come in and replace Will Howard or Jake Rubley or whoever it may be, but j- just to land the top, you know, the top in-state quarterback that you've seen in a long time would be a nice statement. 
Yeah, it would. Um, I'm thinking, uh, how about, uh, Grant, was it uh, Graham Mertz, the, the Bishop Miege kid? Uh, yeah, he's Wisconsin. at Wisconsin right now, so he, okay. he would be in that same that same category for sure. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, it's not a it, it's not a state that, um, uh, that that produces quarterbacks in a in a big way. That that is for sure. So, okay, Kellis, great catching up again. Read the Q and A and everything else that Kellis Robinette writes for the Wichita Eagle and the Kansas City Star. And we'll do this again soon, Kellis. All right, thanks, Blair. Look forward to it. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Gary Bedour, Jesse Newell, and Kellis Robinette for stopping by and talking college sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus more stories that appear only on the website. And of course, they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. It's always a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That is KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. I bet we talk Royals.